everybody. Would you stand with me? Gosh, I walked through that door and I just felt the Lord in here. <laughs> it reminds me he's waiting for us. You know? Let's pray. Wow, God, I thank you for your palpable nearness. Lord, you know the things that people carry into this room. You know the joys and you know the sorrows. And you know what it took for them to take each step into this place today. For those who rejoice and for those who mourn. God, you walked each step into this room with them. And so now, God, we gather our thoughts, we gather our heart, focus our spirit to declare the truth our greatest hope in times of breaking in times of abundance in times of need in times of overflow it's still the same God you are still our hope my hope God my hope God today it is just in you God, teach us, even as we sing to you this morning, that you are faithful regardless of the good or the bad, the difficult or the ease. You are still faithful because it's who you are, God. And I pray, God, that we stir our voices this morning to worship that faithful God. And I pray, God, that there would be a holy weight in this place, that you would help us deliver your word and you would help us to receive your This is our song and our prayer today, God. That we would not look for other sources of hope or joy. But we would look to you. To you. Because the days may be darkest, but your light is greater. You light our way, God. You light our way. And evil is rising. Rising higher with power to save, with power to save. And you keep hope alive. You keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Your word never fails. You keep hope alive because you are alive. Jesus, you are alive. Death had a stronghold, but your life was stronger. Rose from the grave, rose up from the grave.
and some just crawling through the valley. But Daddy, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the master over every circumstance and situation. I declare in this room right now that every weapon that the enemy has tried to form against your children, whether it be addiction, whether it be depression, whether it be suicidal thoughts, whether it be shame or guilt or sickness or cancer, must be defeated in the name of Jesus right now. Daddy, we don't have any power in ourselves to proclaim that. We just believe your word. Your word said that on the cross, Jesus, you took everything against us. Not just our spiritual debt, but everything the enemy had planned. And by your stripes, we are healed. And you are not a man that you should lie. So whatever we're facing today, Daddy, we surrender it to you. Church, can I just encourage you right now, just for a few moments, as Chris just keeps playing, just for a few more moments. 
Whatever you need to surrender to Jesus right now, whatever weapon has been formed against you, can you just take some time just out of your mouth to start proclaiming, God, I'm healed. God, I'm set free. God, there is in your presence, there's fullness of joy. God, this addiction has no hold on me. God, this depression must fade away in the name of Jesus. God, you are my provider. Therefore, I believe provision is on its way. God, you are my peace. You are shalom itself. And so we pray, I, I proclaim peace. This is you. This is you before God. This isn't just us praying for you. This is your heart, your cry before the King. There is no weapon, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon. Daddy, you know the cry of every heart. You know the meditation of every mind in this room. So today we pray that your supernatural love may manifest itself in such power and in such grace that our lives are forever altered and that we choose to leave this room filled with joy to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And together, in faith, we say amen and amen, so be it. Come on, can we give God one shout of glory? If you got set free, if there's a breakthrough in your future, hallelujah, Jesus, thank you. Woo! Oh, good morning, Connect Church, how we doing? I don't know about you, Dean, I came in, I'm a little excited today. I'm not excited simply because we're having a church service and I'm excited because we get to get, get together, and when we're together, Jesus is in the room. And I don't just mean that ideologically or theologically. I, I, I think we've got to embrace that in reality. And if he can supersede time and space itself, if he can supersede the laws of visibility and be here in presence, what can't he do in your life? This isn't just a feel, feel better moment. This is a be better with God moment. Because he's an amazing God. I love what Jesus says. And this is why we can keep hope alive. He said, with man, many things are impossible. Can I get a witness on that? Like, oh, that we got great doctors, we got great lawyers, we, we, we've got great teachers, we've got great moms, we've got great dads. All those things are true, but there's a limit on humanity. With man, some things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That is the gospel we're proclaiming to you today. It's not because we are good enough, it's because He is. It's not because we're holy enough, because many of you know we just ain't, but He is. If my miracle is based on how good I am or how holy I need to be, I will never be good enough or holy enough to obtain a miracle. But if it is based on how good He is and how holy He is and how gracious He is, then I don't have to worry about anything except for timing. That's the good news. We don't serve an ideology, a philosophy. We serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. Well, I hope that's why you're here today. That's why we're here today. I'm, getting, I'm ready to get in the Word. I don't know about it. I'm ready to get in the Word. 
So look, before you're seated, turn to somebody, give them a, like an air fist pump, an air elbow, an air high five. Say hi to somebody. Don't let the mask fool you. Jesus. <laughs> Shayla's going solo up here. You turn around up here and there's nobody to do anything with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, uh, by the way, can I just say this before I'm seated today? Um, two things. Look, if you are a guest today, thank you so much for coming. Yep. Thank you for being here. Thank you for getting up in the middle of all of this, taking the chance, taking uh, uh, just being with us and being with people. Um, so thank you. Let us know. Uh, there's, a, there's a great app called Link, our Linktree app. The link's going to be up on the screen in a little bit. But let us know. We'd love to hear your story. And if you are online right now, there's the camera. If you are online, no, is that, that is not the camera. The red light's a liar. There we go. No, the red light is on. Look, if you're online right now, we know so many of you are. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being with us. Um, and thank you for carving time out of the day to be in community with what God does. God is outside of time and space. So whether you're down the shore, whether you're in your living room, or whether you are in uh, the hospital room, the same Jesus that's here is the same Jesus that's with you. And we, we believe that. Every prayer we're praying here, we're praying with you there. Uh, and I believe the same word that is received in this room, if you receive it in your room, will change you as well. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Hey, well, look, since you brought your Bibles, look at that, I'm better. Since you brought your Bibles in every form, any form possible, old school, new school. See, we've got it both covered up here. By the way, if you, if you are a guest today, this stage rotates. So it's going to rotate, oh, it's gonna rotate every uh, few, few moments uh, for you to know so that if you're looking back here, we'll get to you. We're coming. Um, if you brought your Bible, since you brought your Bible, can you open with me to 1 Peter chapter 3? 1 Peter chapter 3. If you've been in Forged, which is our men's uh, discipleship, which I encourage every man to be in, we've been going through 1 Peter. I know the ladies are getting ready to get into 1 Peter. Um, and uh, I, I was teaching through this video this week for our guys. And we came to this verse and I said, I can't just leave this for our men. I have to bring this to the, to the house. Because we've been talking about this concept of how do we how do we stay rooted during the labor pains that are all around us? How do we stay having fruit come out of our life when so much is in turmoil? So if you look at our title today, it's uh, From Good to God. From Good to God. And a few years ago, many of you may be aware, there was a book that came out that, uh, that, that was really popular, a leadership book called From Good to Great. And it talked about how it really encouraged uh, business leaders to not settle for good in their business, but actually start to identify some of the things that would make them great. And it was a great leadership book, um, and I loved it, but I think somehow the mentality of that book seeped into the message of Christianity. And maybe it didn't seep in, maybe it was always there and it just kind of elevated it uh, to a higher point. But, but what it made us begin to do is to begin, that, to, begin to kind of see that blessing or a sign of our spiritual maturity or, or maybe even the sign of God's favor on our life had to carry the marks of greatness. Had to carry the marks of greatness. 
and greatness began to become, uh, beca- <laughs> began to be the measuring stick where we began to measure our lives, our marriages, how we began to measure others, how we began to measure church. I know I did. How excellent can church be? How many campuses can we have? How many great songs can we write or sing? Somewhere along the way, uh, we slowly began to make greatness the bullseye after what we sought after. And ever so slyly, the enemy turned the focus of the gospel from knowing God to being great for God. Or maybe, even better, being greatly blessed by God. The measure of the gospel was no longer getting to know a great God. It was now how much greatness could that God bring into my life if I was good enough, faithful enough, showed up at church enough, fill in the blank enough. And the result was that we began to judge the blessings, babe. We began to judge our blessing, our state of blessing, kind of through the eyes of, is my life better than it was before? How many good things do I have, right? Uh, the great destiny, and this was a great, like in the 90s and early, to, the great destiny that God has for me. And that sounds okay because God's a great God and he does want to do great things and he is an amazing uh, giver into our lives. But when things start to go awry in our lives, as they will, this is when we start to freak out. Because what we, why we start to freak out is we see where, where, where we have a potential to lose blessing. And when we lose blessing, our potential and purpose for greatness and to do great things from God and to view ourselves as being blessed by God is diminished. And we start to do things, my friends. Here's the truth. You will start to do things to recapture greatness that will cause you not to stand in times of trouble. Here's the reality, my friends. We've been bewitched. We've been bewitched. The true measure of being blessed is not that good people get to become great. It's that completely messed up people get to know a good God. The true measure. So when people say, are you blessed? And you start to count how blessing you are by what you have and what you've done and what God has done for you. It's the enemy slyly moving the bullseye. I am blessed because I am a complete mess of a human being. Totally depraved in my own nature. Without any way of getting to God on my own. The blessing of heaven is that a great God wants to be with someone who is not good. That, my friends, that, when we grab a hold of that, that's something that can't be lost. That thing can never, that is what will keep us rooted and fruited as we progress further down the labor pains of this world. My blessing is found in knowing a great God that's blessed. And that's what Peter's trying to say here in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 13. Chapter 3, verse 13. It says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? That's an interesting question. We're going to wrestle with that. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. 
How many of us feel blessed when we suffer? Right? I know. That's when we start questioning whether we're blessed or not. When we suffer, our first question is, what did I do? What did I do? Wrong. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. That word means anxious. We talked about that last week, anxiety. Why do we have anxiety? It's real. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ, they'll be ashamed. For it is better, it is better, underline that, it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. The reason we've been talking about suffering isn't because we hope for suffering. But suffering and tribulation is a, is a re- very real thing going on in our world. So how do we stay rooted in this? If every time we start to suffer, our first question is, what did I do wrong? He's going to read a letter from Corey Ten Boom, who's an amazing missionary. Uh, it's going to put some things in context for us. I just want to, um, for those of you who don't know who that is, um, it was a woman who was born in the Netherlands, and her family was a safe house uh, during the Holocaust. Yep. And they were... Um, believers solely and wholly dedicated to the Lord but that didn't come without a severe price and this is what she's willing to share in this letter she only passed away in the 80s so sometimes when we hear things like that if 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 we are like 40 or younger right I'll just sometimes that we might as well be talking about something in the middle ages yeah that we've disconnected from so much she, she only passed away in the, in the 80s. Well, she wrote this letter in 1974. Yes. So not even, what, 30-some-odd 30, 30, 30 years ago. So just however you can take this in, whether it's, this is like listening with story time, close your <laughs> eyes, whatever you need to do, but really take in the weight of her word. She says this. My sister Betsy and I were in the Nazi concentration camp at Ravensbrück because we committed the crime of loving Jews. 700 of us from Holland and France and Russia, Poland and Belgium were herded into a room built for 200. And as far as I knew, Betsy and I were the only two representatives of heaven in that room. We may have been the Lord's only representatives in that place of hatred, Yet, because of our presence there, things changed. Jesus told us in his word that in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we too are to be overcomers, bringing the light of Jesus into a world filled with darkness and hate. In China, the Christians were told this, don't worry. Before the tribulation comes, you'll go to heaven. And then came a terrible persecution. Millions of Christians were tortured to death. And later I heard a bishop from China say this, we have failed. 
We should have made people strong for persecution rather than telling them that Jesus would come for them first. Tell the people how to be strong in times of persecution and how to stand. So she goes on to say this, I feel I have a divine mandate to go and tell the people of this world that it is possible to be strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. More than 60% of the body of Christ across the world has already entered into tribulation. There is no way to escape it. We are next. Since I have already gone through prison for Jesus' sake, and since I met the bishop in China, now every time I read a Bible verse, I think, hey, I can use this in time of tribulation. And then I write it down and I learn it by heart. When I was in the concentration camp, a camp where only 20% of the women ever came out alive, we tried to cheer each, up, cheer each other up by saying every day, well, nothing could be worse than today. But we would find the next day was even worse. But it was during this time that this Bible verse that I committed to memory gave me great hope and joy. First Peter says, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, evil is spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. So I found myself saying, hallelujah, because I'm suffering, Jesus is glorified. In America, the churches sing, let the congregation escape tribulation. But in China and Africa, tribulation has already arrived. This last year alone, more than 200,000 Christians were martyred in Africa. Now things like this never get into the newspapers because they would be they would cause bad political relations. But I know, because I have been there. We need to think about that when we sit down in our nice houses with our nice clothes to eat our steak dinners. Many, many members of the body of Christ are being tortured to death at this very moment. Yep. Yet we continue right on as though we are going to escape. Several years ago, I was in Africa in a nation where a new government had come into power. The next night I was there, some of the Christians were commanded to go to the police station to register. And when they arrived, they were arrested, and that same night they were then executed. The next day, the same thing happened with other Christians. And on the third day, the same. They were being systematically murdered. And on the fourth day, I was to speak in a little church there. The people came, but they were filled with fear and tension. All during the service, they were looking at each other, and in their eyes, they were asking, will this one I'm sitting beside be the next one killed? Will I be the next one? The room was hot and stuffy with insects that came through the screenless windows and swirled around the naked bulk over the bare wooden benches. I told them a story out of my childhood. I said to them this, when I was a little girl, I went to my father and I said, Daddy, I'm afraid that I'll never be strong enough to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. And he said this, when you take a train trip to Amsterdam, when do I give you the money for the ticket? Three weeks before? No, Daddy, 
you give me the money for the ticket just before we get on the train. That is right, my father said. And so it is with God's strength. Our Father in heaven knows when you will need the strength to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. And he will supply all of your need just in time. My African friends in the room, they began nodding and smiling, and suddenly a spirit of joy descended upon that church, and the people began to sing, in the sweet by and by we shall meet on the beautiful shore. Later that week, half of that congregation was executed, and I heard later that the other half was killed a few months ago. But I must tell you something. I was so happy that the Lord used me to encourage these people, for unlike many of their leaders, I had the word of God. She says it like this, I had been to the Bible and discovered that Jesus said he had not only overcome the world, but to all of those who remained faithful to the end, he would give a crown of life. So how do we get ready for this persecution? We need to feed on the word of God. We need to digest it and make it a part of our very being. This will mean discipled study of the word every day as we're not only memorizing passages of scripture, but we put its principles into work in our lives. And we need to develop a personal, personal, personal relationship with Jesus. Not just the Jesus of yesterday, the Jesus of history, but the life-changing Jesus of today who is still alive and he is sitting right now at the right hand of God. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is no optional command of the Bible. It is absolutely necessary. Those earthly disciples, they could have never stood up under the persecution of the Jews and Romans had they not waited for Pentecost. Each of us needs our own personal Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We will never be able to stand in the tribulation without it. So in this coming persecution, we must be ready to help each other and encourage each other. We must not wait until tribulation comes before starting. Yes. Many are fearful of the coming tribulation. They want to run. I love how she says this. I, too, am a little bit afraid. And then I think, after all of my 80 years, including the horrible Nazi concentration camp, that I might have to go through tribulation also. Jeez. But then I read the Bible, and I am glad. And she closes it with this. When I am weak, then I shall be strong, the Bible says. Betsy and I, we were prisoners for the Lord. We were so weak, but we got power because the Holy Spirit was on us. That mighty inner strengthening of the Holy Spirit, it helped us through. No, you will not be strong enough in yourself when tribulation comes. Rather, you will be strong in the power of him who will not forsake you. For 76 years, I have known the Lord Jesus, and not once, not ever, has he ever left me or let me down. So as Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. For I, know that to all, for I know that to all who overcome, he shall give the crown of life. So I say, hallelujah. It's probably the fourth or fifth time this week I've read that um, letter. There have been more people martyred for the cause of Christ in the 20th century than every century combined. Our view that tribulation, suffering, is never going to happen or 
isn't going to be a part of life. It's part of the labor pains we've been talking about. And my prayer for our church and for you is that you never have to go through what she's talking about. But we don't need to be in a concentration camp to walk away from Jesus. We, we don't need to suffer by being chained to a wall or in prison to forsake the Lord. For many, it just took a pandemic or having to wear a mask or split in a political ideology. I think this letter gives context in a real way to what Peter was talking about because if you just read through Peter, it's easy to allow it to be a theological truth. But you and I can't just have theological truths anymore. We must have a practical reality of the Word of God and how to live it out in our lives. I think Peter is really trying to help us here in this text to understand how to deal with our anxiety like we talked about last week and where anxiety comes from and how to be rooted in these times of tribulation and struggle and trial. I think he's doing it by reframing our criteria for how we see what is good. How are we determined? How do you determine? I wonder if you would actually give that some thought today. How do you determine what is good? What's our criteria? How do we determine that? Peter, I think, is trying to challenge us to get us to reframe or maybe listen differently to the cry of our soul because every, every human being has this cry of their soul inside of ourselves that if I'm doing good, if I've done something good, if I've stopped doing something wrong, if I'm trying to be better, then I am entitled to something good happening back to me. That's the cry of our soul. It's a human nature cry. But what it does is it puts us in a position, my friends, to actually be afraid of losing, uh, losing what we see as good. And it, and, and, it, and, it, and it puts us in a position of being uprooted and disillusioned and disappointed when good doesn't follow your goodness. And I think the truth is this question that he starts out with seems odd unless we understand what Peter is actually trying to make uh, the reader ask himself. Because the question he's asking is, um, why should harm come to me? He's saying, who can harm me if I'm doing good? Who can harm me if I'm doing good? Well, doesn't that make us ask the question, why would anybody want to harm me if I'm doing good? Why? Because the inherent question, uh, the, inher the inherent answer to that, that we find in the Word of God, not in our soul, but in the Word, is that just because I do something good does not entitle me for good to happen back to me. That's why. This is why Peter didn't actually ask the question the way we read it. He actually is asking the question in the Greek structure at a different level. It's not, why should we expect harm when we're doing good? The Greek says this, why, are we, why should we expect harm when we are imitators of the good one? When we are imitators, when you are being an imitators of the good one, Jesus. That Greek word, therefore, follower of the good, is mimetes. It actually means an imitator. Someone who reproduces an action with an action. It means he sees an action and we repeat that action. Isn't that what Jesus said? I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. What Peter is saying is that this starts, this isn't an ideological concept. 
yes, I'm a follower. I'm a follower of Jesus, D. As in contrast to being a follower of another religion or a follower of myself or a follower of culture. No, it's personal. He says, when you actually are seeing what Jesus is doing in your marriage and doing it, when you're seeing what Jesus is doing at work and you're joining him at work, when you're seeing what Jesus is doing in the house of God and you're joining him doing it in the house of God, then that's the concept that he's talking about. It's personal. So what's he doing? He's refocusing our expectation and our direction. What should we expect? Here's the question, church, as, as men and women of faith. What should we expect then if we are imitators of Jesus? That's what he's asking. If we reproduce his action, what should we expect? Notice he's not asking, are we good people? He's not asking, are we just good followers? He's saying, when we reproduce what Jesus does, what should we expect? My soul is going to say, I should expect to be blessed. I should expect a better life. I should expect to be healed. I should expect my marriage to be restored. But the answer that the Bible tells us is contrary. Stay with me. It's contrary to what our soul declares. The word of God is contrary to what your soul declares over your life. Jesus himself said in John 15, the scripture that uh, the chapter we right before the one we talked about last week, when he's headed towards the garden and to the cross, he said, listen, let me remind you of the words I've been telling you. They persecuted me. They will persecute you. So when things don't work out the way that we think that they should work out and people respond negatively to you standing up for Christ, when people don't uh, applaud you for being such a great, good person at your marketplace. Or you don't get the promotion that you think you deserve because you've been following what Jesus has been saying. We shouldn't be surprised. It should be expected. All of this changes our expectations. All of it. From being exalted and applauded for being good people. I love when Danielle says, you did good today. Come on, somebody. I love when someone in church writes me a text and says, man, that was great today. But there's something in my soul that wants to be applauded and exalted for being a good person. But what happens here is that this reality shifts our expectation to actually being persecuted and rejected for imitated Jesus. In our world where we're so hard, trying so hard to fit in, Jesus says, look, when you love like I love, you forgive like I forgive. You have grace and mercy. When you seek justice like I live out justice, there are going to be people on the other side of the aisle that aren't just going to uh, not applaud you. They're, they're going to come after you. They're, they're going to try to take you out and cut you down. The issue is, I think, my friends, we've lived too long. Dee and I were talking about this week. We've lived too long in an Americanized church culture that has taught us this, that good things happen to good people. Good things, that's why we ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? That's why it's such a huge issue in our world, because we've been taught good things happen to good people. That's why the church has taught you how to be good. Right. 
It's why we give you the 10 principles to be good so that you're blessed. It's why we struggle so much, and I know Kevin and Lisa have struggled trying to find kids' material that doesn't just teach a child how to be a good kid. Because here's the problem. That our, we live in a world that is constantly redefining what is good. And now that the definition of good does not reflect what Jesus says is good, we are tempted to fight to keep the definition of good the way it used to be for us. Not so that people are set free and not so that God is glorified because can we be honest, there's a lot of things that we were taught were good that were not holy and did not glorify God. Segregation was said good, not holy, come on somebody. Redlining, not holy. Having to wear, not wear a hat inside, Patrick, is not, <laughs> is not holy, right? That's what, that's what I was taught, girl, you wear a hat inside, man. That's a, God's going to be upset. <laughs> right. We are not doing it so that people can be, we're not fighting so that people can be set free. We're fighting so that we can still be good people because good things happen to good people. The truth is what Peter's trying to get us to is this radical shift, church. Connect, church, hear my heart. It's a radical shift. I'm not saying God doesn't want to bless you. He does. We just have to redefine what blessing looks like. The blessing is attached to the blesser. Verse 14 says, if you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, not for your political view's sake or nationalistic pride's sake, for his sake, we are not blessed because of our ability to be good. We are blessed because he is of his good grace. No matter what, if, uh, no matter what, if the situation is troublesome in the natural, it doesn't matter because the one who is the blesser is above the natural. He is the supernatural king. Therefore, nothing in the natural can separate me from the blessing. Because the blessing isn't good things. The blessing is the good one. That's why Romans 8 says, I'm persuaded to believe that nothing in all the world, neither height nor depth nor principality nor power, nor things present or anything that's going to come into your life can separate you from the love of Christ that is in Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Why am I worried about losing a blessing when I can't lose the blesser? Yeah. But do you see how the soul is tricky and how it starts to work on our anxiety? Christianity has placed the real, uh, I'm sorry, Peter places the real reward in life, not on what we receive, but on the fact that we are connected to Jesus and nothing can separate us. The word is redefining the reward. The word here is redefining what blessing looks like, not good things, the good one. And I'm going to turn it over to Dee in just a second. But the reason that this is so important is because this is where our anxiety and our fear resides. Knowing that as I imitate him, there's no situation that, can, that he cannot overcome because nothing can separate us from him and he is the blessing. Why am I worried I'm going to lose a blessing when I can't lose the blesser? Why am I losing that my potential for being great is going to be diminished when that's not the measurement of maturity. This Greek word here for troubled is the word for anxiety. 
We talked about that last week. About anxiety comes from the grief of anticipated loss. We're expecting to lose some sort of good thing in our life, which then puts us in a position of not being able to be great or better than. I can't tell my friends how blessed I am. It's really hard to tell your friends how blessed you are when you're sick or when you just got fired or when your marriage is on the rocks. When we define blessing by good things rather than our connection to the good one, we will chase after the wrong thing and fear what we are going to lose. It really actually, listening to you lay it out like that, it makes you wonder, there's there's the human part of us that we can't be afraid to own exists inside of us, even if we are followers of Christ, is then, like, well then what's the point of trying so hard to be good? If those rains fall on the just and the unjust, if we're talking about God is good, so when he is present, his goodness is there, and it's not dependent upon me being good, well, I try to be good. Correct. Because remember a couple weeks ago we talked about good, it's such a dangerous word. It's so vague. But the word talks about good being only that which originates from God. That is not vague. That is pure. That is holy, and that is specific. Yes. And it makes us kind of say, why am I trying? Like, if, if the rest of the world would always think that I was good. Yes. Right? So if I could convince everyone in this room that I was good and doing good, would I still try to be good? Because if I think everyone is snowed yeah. and it doesn't make any difference to God, why would I try to be good? It's easier to not be good. Correct. It's human nature. And it, it gets you to figure out why you do what you do. That kind of investigation into yourself, it needs you to linger there. Because our why won't have a benefit to us. God, because he's good, will bring a benefit to us. But if everyone thinks I'm good and I can't move God on something with my goodness, Correct. am I willing to just live according to what originates from him just because I want to reflect him? Because when we read that letter, that can lead to suffering. Yes. It also leads to bringing glory yes. to God. Is it worth it? These are, these are questions that we can't just walk out here and think we've answered. Because I bet you that we're probably challenged on that question depending on the situation. If we're in a scenario where, yeah, I don't want to lose that, but I'd rather lose that than lose this. Yes. We may answer a question one way when we're dealing with this scenario, but maybe not on this one. Yes. Now, we were talking last week about the well of wellness and anxiety, and I was, I was talking to you about 
what is anxiety anyway? And we were saying that at its basic level, it is anticipated grief. We're anticipating yep. something changing in our lives that we don't want to change, that causes us fear. But because it hasn't happened yet, we can't actually grieve it. Right. So we're not grieving, so we had to call it something else, which means I'm anxious because I'm anticipating the loss of something, but if that thing had died, I would then grieve it. But it's not, I'm just living in my mind as a possible loss. So it's anticipated grief. And nobody tells us what to do with that. Yes, yes. And the reason that we were talking about that last week is because it doesn't matter if you're a believer, it doesn't matter if you're a disciple. This is a real part of life. This anticipated grief is real. And it made me think about anticipated joy then as well. It put joy on the table for me. Yes. And shoulder to shoulder, it's funny, I've told you this so many times, I've told my shoulder to shoulder ladies, and Kyle and I had a colliding <laughs> of what we wanted to talk about this week, and it lined up with forged shoulder to shoulder and what we wanted to talk about today. Yep. And that used to bother us yep. until we realized that this is because God is really trying to say something. Yes. And I started thinking about this concept of anticipated joy. What does that mean? Well, if we're talking about anxiety being, being anticipated loss, we then live in a constant state of anticipated joy. If that situation changes for my benefit, yes. I will be happy about that. If this provision comes to my life, it would improve my life and that would make me happy. And it goes on and on and on and on. But when I read in Philippians 4, and it says, written by a man in chains. Yeah, he's in prison. He says, remember, church, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. See, growing up when I heard that, that was often taught with a whole lot of like, this is a command. He says it twice yeah. in one sentence. Yes. Get it together. Rejoice in the Lord always oh, no. again. I say rejoice. <laughs> hey, rejoice. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Old school. Um, that was good, honey. Thanks, honey. Um, but we don't ever really talk about the word in. Yes. Rejoice in. Yeah. The Lord always, again, I say rejoice. We talk about the command. And we talk about the joy. So then everybody feels condemned because they don't have the joy. And then they've been told twice to get it. It's like telling somebody to calm down twice. <laughs> Just calm down. Right? So it's like worse than a shush. <laughs> Just things that make you think. And... Sometimes you have to dig <laughs> to see what God actually really said because yep. you're hearing so many things you've been taught as if it's what the Bible says. Like, I wish we would teach that verse like, rejoice in, in. Let's every sermon be about in. Yes. It's such a boring word. <laughs> but when you study it, it says, from within a place, from within God, if you occupy within God, yes. your joy 
comes from a place within him. Like, for instance, if I said to you, if someone said to me, Danielle, I want you to sing a song in church, in the house right now. And I started saying, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice and take joy, my in what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. The reason that there's ministry there is because you are in the room. You carried that moment just now. Your spirit responded. There was an atmosphere that understood why that would take place. If at 1.30 I walk into Wawa, I love <laughs> you, Lord. Nine, one, one. <laughs> Yes. Same song. Yes. Same person. Yeah. Not in. Right thing, wrong location. Yes. The reason Good, that the Spirit of God was in the room when we just sang is because we were within his house. Mm. So when we sang, we were giving him back to himself. Yes. And we tried to figure out. Why don't I have joy? But we're not coming from within an atmosphere, a location where the joy originates. Yes. So we are saying, I'm sitting here at ga the gas pump singing. Why isn't something more coming back to me? Yep. Because we have to start from the place within that is the joy to get the joy. And then he gets to redefine the experience of the joy. Yes. Because... I had a couple people ask me today, even Kyle this morning was like, how are you doing with this morning? He was like, I can't wait, let's go, da, 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 And I was the opposite of him this morning. So severely weighted in my spirit. So unable to turn the switch off of awareness of the arena in which we are living right now. Wishing I could be the person that, uh, what do you mean? They're, the world's having a hard time. <laughs> like, I yearn to be that person. Yeah. But when you're not that person, it doesn't leave you. So what does that mean? That the world gets to dictate that I do have to have anxiety and I don't get to have joy? I have to relocate yes. my spirit. Yeah. Because otherwise, the anxiety tells us it's bigger than God. Yes. 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 And that yes, is yes. what has happened. We have forgotten yes. the name, yes. the power of his name. Can we do something? Yes, go for it. Okay. Jonathan. Yeah. On the song list on the iPad, can we find Yahweh? Mm. All right. It's like a seven-minute song. 
This is every way not to build a church. What we're, what we're doing, this is <laughs> 10 steps to how to not build church is what we're doing right now. I don't care. We have forgotten, did you get it, John? Thank you. The reverence and the power and the authority and the supernatural presence yes. of God yes. in our lives. Yes. Yes. And yes. we don't yes. need someone to yes. lead us to who he is. He leads us to who he is. Yes. He tells us the story of his faithfulness. We can't let the situation tell us the story yes. of his faithfulness. Yes. He yes. has to tell yes. us yes. the yes. story of his, his faithfulness. faithfulness. Because when I'm not here yes. to tell you that he's faithful, you have got to remember that he's faithful. Come on. And Why if I'm not here for a reason that would whisper he's not faithful, you got to say it 10 times louder, church. I'm just using this as an example. Yes. You knowing that he is faithful has nothing to do with my testimony. My testimony only brings glory to him. Yes, yes. But we have to remember who he has claimed to be. So I just, we're just going to listen to this song for seven minutes. It's like seven minutes. We can fade it at the end. I don't know even how it ends. But church, whether you stand, whether you kneel, whether you walk, whether whatever you do, just don't be respectful of him. Be honoring yes. of him. Let his, let his joy be made full in this house of God.
Yes, Lord. and is and is to come. The whole earth, Daddy, is filled with your glory. Holy, 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 holy is the healer. Holy is the provider. Holy is your Lord God Almighty. Holy Adonai, Lord and Master. Holy, holy, holy. Yahweh. Come on, Lord. We lift you high. Daddy, you're worthy to be praised. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Yahweh. Hallelujah. Yahweh. Come on, my King of Kings. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yes. Through the fire by night. Mm, Jesus. You gave us your life. 
gave us. You gave us your name so we could, so you could be our God. You gave us your name. You gave us your name. Yes, you're in the exhale. Yes, hallelujah. Yes, the exhale, Yahweh. We sing Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. Come on, let everything that has breath. Hallelujah. Let everything praise you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Let everything. Mighty deliverer, my God, my King. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God. There's no one like you, Lord God. There's no one like you, Jesus. Holy is your name. Great are you, my King. Holy, holy. Worthy is the Lamb of God that was slain. Worthy to receive glory and honor power and praise. Let all of heaven rejoice. Let everything that has breath proclaim the name of the Lord God Almighty over every circumstance and situation. Yahweh, Yahweh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, holy, holy. Oh my God. My friend, just as we stay here for a moment, what we just sang lines up with what Peter ends that verse with. He said, you want to get rid of the fear and anxiety that's real in humanity? You want to be able to stand in the time of uncertainty? Then, man, set the Lord apart in your heart as the highest of all values, as the highest and most important thing Above every, every dream, every desire, every motivation, over every offense, over every reason for bitterness and disappointment, set him above it all as Lord above it all. And become established 
unmoved, unmovable, standing firm, planted strongly with deep roots, be established in hope. Not hoping for something, hoping in someone. His name is Jesus. We hope in his grace. We hope in his favor. We hope in his love. We hope in his truth. We hope in his word because we hope in him. And my friends, if hell couldn't hold them back, if every demon, every moment of darkness that the weight of sin of all of humanity of billions of people couldn't keep them down if death couldn't hold them in the grave what circumstance what situation what scenario what marriage trouble what employment issue what health situation you're going through is Jesus not able to overcome today I am blessed because I cannot lose the blesser. I am blessed. Come on, somebody shout with me. I am blessed because I cannot lose the blesser. I get to rejoice in because I've got hope in. Some of us need to put that song Yahweh on repeat this week in our lives and just meditate on it. Yahweh, he was the the cloud by day and the fire by night. He separated the Red Sea when it seemed impossible. He overcame the armies when they were stronger than the children. He moved mountains out of the way. My God is able. Yahweh, he is Yahweh Yirah, the provider. Yahweh Rapha, the healer. He is Yahweh Shalom, the peace. He is Yahweh Nisi, my banner. He is Yahweh Makedesh, my sanctifier. He is my redeemer. He is my high priest. He is my sacrifice. He's my lover of my soul, the lily of the valley. Come on, someone's got to speak to their soul. I got a lover of my soul. His name's Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, And maybe you're here today and you could just say, man, that sounds crazy. It couldn't be less crazy. The crazy thing is to believe that I, in my limited ability, have the ability to overcome things I can't control. Rather than submitting to the one that controls the wind and the waves. When the disciples stood on the edge of the boat and they were freaking out because the storm was so, uh, the waves were so high and the storm was so strong. And Jesus stood on the bow and he stood up and he spoke to the wind and the waves and he said, peace, be still. And even, even the wind and the waves had to obey him. Then in that boat they fell to their knees and they said, my Lord and my God. Come on. Someone today, can I encourage you, fall to your knees and surrender to this moment and just say, God, you are my Lord and my God. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. I surrender. Maybe you've been fighting for so long. Today's the day to surrender to the love. You'll never be good enough. That's the bad news of the gospel. But the good news of the gospel is you don't have to be good enough because he already is. 
The gift of grace is a gift. You can't earn it. That's a wage. But you can receive it. Today, can I encourage you? Stop fighting the King of Kings and stop fighting the love of God. Give up on the offense that has kept you from fully surrendering. And right now, get on your knees and just say, Jesus, here I am. And maybe if that's what you want to do, can you pray this with me? If you want to receive that gift today, if you want to be established in that hope, just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I surrender to you. I'm holding nothing back. You are my God. I want to be your child. Forgive me for everything I've done. Fill me with your spirit. For today and forevermore, I choose to live a life to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. It's all me. I'm crying. I don't have it. I'm going to do one last thing. Chris is going to play for a second. We've been talking. Um, we talked last week, and then Corey said it again in her letter today. We've got to know the word. It's why forwards and shoulder to shoulder are so important. Someone said to me a little while ago, Pastor, can't we just talk about great things in church? Why do we have to talk about stuff like this? And I said, when I played football, we took one day to celebrate the victory. Then we spent six days preparing for the next game because we know there was a defense we had to overcome. I can't attack the next scheme of the enemy the same way, come on somebody, by ignoring it and celebrating just the victory I had last week. I need the word of God in my life. I need the Holy Spirit. I'm not just talking about him in our creed. I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Christ, his only son, born of a virgin. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about a creed. I'm talking about a person talk about the baptism spirit and I know many of you have been asking about that this Wednesday night we're going to have a special chat room edition I'm going to teach on it online hop on but let me explain it just easy because I want to pray for you right now Jesus said it's better that I go away because when I go away I will send my spirit in your life can we agree he went away can we agree he's not a liar? Before he left, he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit on your life so that you can be my witnesses. That word witness is actually a wrong translation. That word in the Greek is martyr. It gets a lot less uh, inviting now, doesn't it? I will send my spirit so you can be my martyrs in all the world. I'm going to pray that you never have to face being a real martyr. But all of us make choices to be an imitator of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, right after that, says they were in an upper room and the Holy Spirit fell on everyone, man and woman. 
my God makes no distinction between the two. It did not just fall on the 12. It's not an apostolic gift for an apostolic age. It is an eternal promise to the children of God. All we need to do, lift up our hands and our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Fill me to overflowing. Because I know at the end of me is the beginning of you. 21 years, I tried to be good enough to not sleep around, to not do drugs, to not smoke, to not curse, to not break the rules. It led me to disappointment, disillusionment. So I found myself surrendering before the King of Kings and just saying, man, I know I'm not good enough, but you are. And in that moment, in a little, on, on the floor, next to a couch in someone's apartment in college, it was grungy, there was pizza on the floor, come on somebody, there's stuff in the couch. The Holy Spirit fell on me with power and strength. I can tell you it's not because I was good enough. It's because he's faithful to his word. So will you guys stand with me really quickly? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit falls on you where you are. I'm going to pray because the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit will come and fill each and every believer. He will fill you with the power of God. He will fill you with the presence of God. He will fill you with the language of heaven. There will be signs and wonders that follow. I'm believing that. Just like with healing, if it's dependent on me, we're all out of luck. But if it's dependent on God, ha-ha, he's faithful to his word. His word said, his word said, his word said, his word said. So if that's you, and you're just saying, man, I just, I'm ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Maybe for the first time, or I need a refilling. I've been leaking a little bit. I, I've got a little bit of an empty tank. Would you just lift up your hands with me right now? Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, each around this room right now, I pray for the Holy Spirit to be released. I pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on each and every person in this room. Fill us up to overflowing. Let your Holy Spirit that you promised, your word said, if you go away, you will send the Holy Spirit on every believer that there will be signs and wonders that follow Father that your spirit will produce the language of heaven from our lives so that we can pray with power Lord God when we don't know what to pray your spirit will pray through us Lord God Father we know that your spirit produces joy your spirit produces peace your spirit produces love your spirit gives us gifts of prophecy and gifts of, uh, of discernment and gifts of healing Lord God it's your spirit Spirit, Holy Spirit, fall. Fill us to overflowing today. You are faithful to your word. Let every open heart receive. Let every willing, willing person be a vessel. Not just so that we can stand when tribulation comes so that we can live a life that glorifies you every moment of every day. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you just sing that one more time? 
meditating on a verse this week in Leviticus 23 God said to his people when you reap your harvest leave some on the outer edges for the people in your community who don't have and for foreigners for people you don't know and what God was encouraging them to be is be generous forethought having a generous forethought that says, and a, a, a trust in him that says, look, I'm going to give you enough in the harvest that you collect that you're going to be blessed. Can you trust me to leave the edges? Because there's people who you might not, there's people in the community and there's people you don't even know outside of the community who are going to need the blessing that can come from this community. And I thought, what a, what a, what a great truth. How much did God love people that he said, I'm going to bless the farmer. I'm going to bless the people who can't farm in that community. And I'm going to bless the people who that farmer doesn't even know yet. Because I love and I see each and every one of them. And 
that's what we do when we give. We get an opportunity, we give, and God gives back to us. We give and we take care of people and things in the community that we're in that need taken care of. And we get to be a part of taking care of people and things outside of the community that we don't even know yet, but he still does. What a great opportunity. What a great God we serve. And I just want to say thank you because just like in your regular life, all of this requires finance, right? Yes. All of our livelihood of being the church requires finance, so thank you. Thank you for sewing. Thank you for dropping your offering at the kiosks when you leave or giving digitally online. The last thing I wanted to say to you all is that this is very much still part of how God ministers because I believe that he has heard and seen some of your prayers totally. about wanting to see a shift in your lives uh, for what you do even with your vocation, what you do with your calling. If you happen to follow this house on social media, particularly on Facebook, you may have noticed this week that we, we posted four new job opportunities, three of them taking place in Thy Kingdom Crumb, yes. uh, which is our food truck that we do in partnership with Carson Wentz's AO1 Foundation. And for those of you who don't aren't aware that our center section of our building is about to be renovated and it's going to become our Thy Kingdom Crumb headquarters. We currently have a headquarters a couple miles down the road uh, on Route 70. And this space is going to be about triple the size of what we have currently. And we're going to be able to do a lot more and be far more present and walk our calling out and our mission out even in the middle of the pandemic, yep. God has taught us how to meet very real needs in our community as well as share the gospel. And people are getting saved. Yep. It makes no sense except for Jesus. So crazy. So there are four opportunities that we have posted onto our Facebook. I'm going to just direct everybody to go there to take a look. It gives you the outline, like a synopsis of what the jobs are and how to take the next steps if you feel called and qualified. Yeah. But that's, it's very important. So just so you know, we are, we are doing this from within our house. Yes. We are speaking about this to people within our house because we trust that this house is learning the, the heartbeat of God's culture. God's culture has a heartbeat, and we don't want it to look like Connect. We want it to look like Jesus. Yes. And we know that that is what we are helping you to become more and more like Jesus in this place. And that's why we entrust these job opportunities to yes. people in this house. Yes. Because they carry his heartbeat well. So thank you, church, for walking with us yes. today. Yes. It would be a very different morning if we just took that last hour and a half journey, just the two of us. Yeah. So thank you so much because we believe that we, every, every Sunday that we arrive at, we arrived here because you have us in your heart, in your spirit, in your prayers. You carry us. And God is doing something absolutely new. I don't know what he's doing, but I know that it's him. So thank you for showing up and listening and leaning in. We love you so much, church. Don't forget. Wednesday night, 7 p.m. online. Yep. So you can just come uh, catch it online. Chat room, Kyle's going to be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We love you, church.
Have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful week. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Love you.